to expand in the universe. Season 17, Episode 5, The Typho Sing-Along. The book, Star Wars Coruscant Nights 2, Streets of Shadows, by Michael Reeves, The Year, 2008, Chapters 9 and 10, with your hosts, Jeff and John, and musical guests, The Violent Femmes! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast, where by God I got every single detail right in that intro. By God. By God. By God, that Stone Cold music! I didn't get the year wrong, or list the wrong chapters, or trail off into obscurity while you laughed at me. It was a normal one. Yeah. I just want to let people know that we can do that. I actually have gotten a couple people who are genuinely concerned and like <laughs> suggesting that I write stuff down or and I'm just like like if, if you guys realize a- if it was a real accident, I'd just do it again. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not like this is live. Yeah. <laughs> we throw away a not a not a huge amount, but some of the crap that just doesn't work from time to time. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, a lot of the time what will happen on this show is I'll do something fucking stupid. John will make fun of me for it on air. And on the balance, I will evaluate that as funnier than doing it right and just leave it in anyway. Yeah. So that's that's usually what you're encountering. Oh, yeah. You've you got to wor- balance the, mm-hmm. is this funny enough to leave in? Yeah. You don't have to worry about me too much. I, I live to be roasted, and that's that's the whole, the whole point. By the way, uh, current event notes, because we use that Violent Femmes intro thing, uh, you know how there's been that big scare about someone about a bunch of people dying in a, in a crowd surge. In oh, the... my God. So. Yeah. You want to talk about that? You got stuff? Okay. Yeah. Before you get into your thing. Yeah, please. I was getting food before uh, I came over to mm-hmm. record today. Okay. Uh, I went to the local Mexican place, got some carne asada fries. Everything's great. However, while in line, a gentleman on his way out turns to the assembled people in line or waiting for food, and is like, hey, did you hear about Travis Scott? Wow. To everyone, and then lets them know about 300 people died. Oh, that's a change. While Travis Scott looked on with a devilish grin on his face. (laughs) He's turned it into a folk song. Why? I used to be afraid of the Freemasons and the Illuminati, but now I know. Drake and Travis Scott have satanic lyrics. Anyway, please follow me for more information about this. And two old ladies followed him. Oh, my God. Outside to be like, tell me about the devil Travis Scott. (laughs) And my mind was blown. Okay, well, there you go. But anyway, the reason I was bringing the story up is because that shit happened to me in 98 at a Violent Femme show. And uh, yeah, some guy at a violent femme yeah, show turned to you and was me. like, Travis, Travis Scott. Scott. And, and I was like, oh, is he some kind of country music guy? And he was like, you need to check your privileges, sir. <laughs> you need to uh, evaluate. If you hear a name like Travis Scott and your first thought is probably some country music asshole. And I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Context is important. It was in Texas and he was an asshole. <laughs> I assume country music guy. I assume. <laughs> but no, I actually. I think Claire was there too. A friend of the show, Claire, 
we were at a violent femme show. We had, it was advertised as all ages because it was being held at the San Diego Street Fair. Mm-hmm. Totally open to, to the public was the, the the paperwork for it on in, in the newspaper and so on. It was not all ages. It was not open to the public. It was behind a beer wall tent where you couldn't get in there, and it had like these ten foot high fences with that green shit they stapled the fences oh, so you yeah. can't see through them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm 18, you know, uh, we can't do, none of us are 21, we can't do this, we're not going to see the violent films, and we're just standing there kind of desultorily trying to see if we can see through that green shit yeah. when the violent films go on stage, and it turns out that not advertising that the show is going to be held in the not-all-ages part of an all-ages all ages event uh, is unpopular. And so, and so we were right up by the fence because we were just like, well, no one else is trying to crowd this fence. Why would you? And then people started crowding the fence when they started hearing like the opening strains of blister in the sun or whatever. Uh. And I swear to you, I got pushed 15 feet up this fence, like, <laughs> like in, an, in a nanosecond. I was, I was on the ground. I was fine. All of a sudden, I was 15 feet in the air on a crush of bodies. And then the fence fell over. Wow. <laughs> I was separated from everybody we were with. I was just like, what the fuck is, what just, did you, I looked, and, and it turns out that once that kind of shit starts, everything else starts too. It's just, this is the, the, the shackles of society come away. <laughs> and within minutes, there were people standing on every porta potty there dancing. I, I saw a man fall through the roof of a porta potty. <laughs> oh, that's not what you want to see. <laughs> Especially if you're the man on the porta potty. You, what you really don't want is for someone else to come stumbling out of the porta potty now, like like <laughs> drops <Occupado>. in. <laughs> I was just imagining like right a through. magical porta potty. Like he falls in and a different person comes out. No one else is in there. The <laughs> phantom porta potty. <laughs> just absolutely a magical transportation machine. Well, mild mannered Clark Kent fell in there. <laughs> <laughs> but busting out the front came Superman. Magic. Obviously, it's a magic porta potty. Only possible explanation. Superman needs to rescue us from this violent femme show. <laughs> wow. So anyway, that was the one time I experienced crowd surge, and it is fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I have a little bit of detachment for it now because I survived it. I was fine. And also it was in 1998. So it was like well more than 20 years ago and everything's fine. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, anyway, to the to the book, huh? What do you want to do? You want to do that? You, you want to tell me how you're doing or anything? Nah. All right. Well, the, this is the the weird thing about this book I have started to notice uh-huh. is that you get it, it's it's uh, it's got a structure to it of super short chapter, ridiculously long chapter, super short chapter, ridiculously long chapter. And it feels like the breakdown of what is and isn't a chapter is kind of arbitrary like the first chapter chapter nine is a hundred percent typho wandering around a library getting in a fight with aura sing and then we're done and then the, oh yeah well the, the, that chapter is like this makes sense as a self-contained single bit of this story yeah and then the next section is like well we gotta check in with every single person in the detective team plus a few other random people that aren't part of the detective team and go back and forth we're gonna we're going to start with uh, multiple scene transitions. Yeah, we're going to start with Jax. We'll be back with Jax later in a different scene, but still in this chapter. And I'm like, why didn't, why isn't this multiple chapter? What, what's the difference? Well, you see, they're all part of the same team, whereas <laughs> Typho's not on a team. I guess that's fair. Typho works alone. Yeah. Which is probably because he has so many fucking skills, as we've learned in this episode. I like the part where they just casually toss off that he's an expert slicer. Yeah, just sort of, well, I I don't need to be an expert slicer to know this, but I am an expert slicer. Hi, I'm Typho. How you doing? 
it's very weird because I mean we start with him wandering around this Jedi temple, but he immediately is like, "Oh yeah, I'm crazy good at being a slicer." But even so, so much of what was in this massive library has either been like defaced mm-hmm. or sabotaged or blown up or whatever. But there's still, even with all that, more information left here than I could possibly go through. Yes, he's like, I could spend years just evaluating the cubic kilometer that makes up the library of the Jedi on here on Coruscant, but would I even find things or would I just die in the process? That would not accomplish the, the mission which I have set out for myself, he says, stopping for a moment to affirm in his mind what the mission is, which is the soft, sensuous, sensual face of, of Padme Amidala. <sighs> oh, boy. Again, <laughs> just once again... That is your employer, sir. That is your deceased employer. I'm here for revenge on a lady that didn't know I liked her. Yeah, he's hot for senator. Wow. And, and it's uh, it, it's weird that it keeps coming up. Like, I, I feel like he didn't need to be in an unrequited relationship with her for him to want justice. Like, he's a bodyguard. He, he just wants to, you know, know what well, happened. And I mean, again, we mentioned this before, but like... You're one of the higher-ups. It was your job to protect her, and she died. This should be a mission for you that's like, someone killed the like our head of state, and I need to go find out because no one else gives a shit. Like, this is personal for me, without it being like, and baby, she had gams for days. <laughs> like, you don't need that. Not like you'd ever get to see him, given that she dressed like a landing strip. But, you know, uh, ultimately, I, I assume that she must have had fantastic legs. I wasn't at the Battle of Geonosis the one time she went all sexed up. So what do I know? What I want to know here, John, is do you think he will suddenly abandon the quest the instant he finds out that she was hooking up with Anakin? Ah. When he when he's like, so I, I've tracked it down to the to the royal palace of Naboo, Naboo, where she went on vacation for a while. And apparently she spent the whole time making out with Anakin. Oh, well, fuck this then. <laughs> she doesn't deserve my virtuous purities. <laughs> what a slut. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that's what's going to happen. I think he'll just internalize it and get madder at Anakin. Well, no. He befouled he... her. <laughs> all he's going to do is eventually be like, ah, Anakin, it was you. You murdered her and I will have no idea that you were together. And that you're Darth Vader. So this is a dead end for me. Maybe he finds out who Darth Vader is and dies at the end of the book so that we can preserve the secret. I don't know. Probably. I mean, I don't know that anyone else is really, you know, dying to use Typho and stuff, but... It's true. He doesn't show up a lot. In fact, I honestly forgot until this chapter reminded me that he is Panica's nephew, that the two dudes who were her security guards are related. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't... They, you, you know, you can have more than one existing black family that that, nope. that, that lives on Naboo. That would... Nope. That, you know, it's... It's not like Rodians where where every one of them's got to be. You could just... They all know each other. (laughs) Every Rodian is a cousin. We have a very complicated system of parent fucking. (laughs) Look, I'm a motherfucker. You're a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That makes us cousins. Come on. Let's go bowling. ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's investigating a library and becoming increasingly frustrated by how... His big plan to do this is being presented now with the reality of that the library's just been wrecked by vandals for fun for, like, weeks now. I still don't know what he was planning on finding there. Like... The big book of who did that to Amidala. Yeah, like, 
okay, your main clue, the one thing you know is that the last person to see her alive was probably Anakin. Mm -hmm. And that he died on Mustafar. And your big plan is, well, I better go check out the library on Coruscant Mm -hmm. in case, I don't know, he scribbled in a margin, yo, I'm about to kill someone? (laughs) If I did it by Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) Forward, he did do it by (laughs) Obi-Wan. It's just strange to me that you'd be like, ah, yes, a place where the Jedi kept a lot of, you know, historical and cultural information. This will help me in my quest. Yeah, it's a weird choice. But he is holding a flash drive that he is convinced is full of scrambled and useless information. And in a fit of peak, he, he flings it to the ground, a little USB stick. But apparently Star Wars USB sticks have fling to the ground, uh, explode in bright pops of electro-incandescent uh, oh, yeah. de- decompression or something. No, they they are made apparently out of flashbangs. Yes. And if you happen to drop one too fast, it explodes. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about the chapter when I'm reading the chapters, but it's it's hard to use them when talking about it later, is that this guy loves science jargon buzzwords. So everything's always described as like an electro-implotic, you know... Monader, monadarian psycho t- beam or something and i like i don't remember any of that thank you it's, it's i appreciate it but i don't remember it unless it's inverting the the uh, positron ion matrix then i'm not gonna <laughs> unless you're frog blasting <laughs> frog blasting event core i'm never gonna forget about either uh but yeah it, after he has his little moment where he's like man and he throws this thing to the ground because a, only a, a data stick a by data the way. stick which only an even more expert slicer could possibly uh, decrypt. And he doesn't have cut time for more expert slicers. Then he, his highly trained guard instincts pick up the sound of someone wandering around in here, which shouldn't be hard, as we establish immediately after that in this chapter. The whole floor is covered in crap, so everyone can hear everyone else. Oh, yeah. The whole place is just various amounts of detritus that are either, like, building rubble mm-hmm. or data chips and memory cards and whatnot everything's just crackly plastic all over the ground you can't walk in here it's covered in like cheerios and there's even ancient types of memory holding where they put dark images on a wood pulp what is this (laughs) yeah i love when they do that when they're like someone invented the book you know, I'm like, you You know, in other books in Star Wars, we have seen people read just straight up newspapers and shit, you know? No, it's never a newspaper. It's, it's always like a, hollow, a facts. hollow facts. Yeah. It's always a hollow proj activator with the latest news. I always love when they throw the facts in there. Like, that's going to help connect it to the futuristic vibe they want. But it's still a fax machine. No, man. Like, I'm using my scientistic explodo beeper. Yeah. Well, beepers are kind of not new now, so what does that do different? It lets me know when there's a phone call, and then I go to a pay phone. Uh, You mean a local hollow net terminal? Yeah, hollow net node terminal. Mm -hmm. Which is different than a hollow net nude node terminal. Mm. I watched Mild Man and Clark Kent go into one of those (laughs) once. Oh, man, and he got naked. What a violent femme show that was. I'm sorry, violent space femmes. (laughs) The uh, violent space fam. The violent boys. fems, but they're Wookies. <laughs> the violent fem Wookies. <laughs> That's the one I wanted. Thank you. Uh, anyway, 
it's Aura Singh. We get that right away. He manages to hide. He immediately leans himself up against a wall, pulls out his blaster. He's like, good, I'm a trained guard. I know how to, or bodyguard. I know how to do this. I'm an expert assassin, blah, blah, blah. And then he looks, and she's not really worried about who might see her. It's just Aura Singh. And he, he immediately is like, well, it was my job as a bodyguard to know the world's most, or the galaxy's most dangerous bounty hunters and assassins in case I'd ever have to tussle with them. So I with know these Aura reprobates. <laughs> so I know Aura Singh on sight. That's my job. And I'm like, no, you're a, you're a bodyguard. You don't. Well, I mean, he I mean, was I in the military. He, yeah, he was in the military before that. But did they train the military to hunt Aura Singh? Eh. I mean, the way he makes it out, he's like, Aura Singh is so well known. Mm-hmm. She's one of the most famous mercs out there. Yeah, this book is ha- having a real problem where it's doing the build-up stuff for Aura Singh, and then she loses every fight over and over again. It's a real bad. Because, <laughs> you know, at least with Vader, you're like, oh, this is supposed to be like Vader's big thing. Where you're like, yeah, no, she's a super badass, but Vader is an even super badass. Vader is Darth Vader. He is he is on, a, on his own plane. He exists outside the sphere of bounty hunters that are badasses. Yeah, but then... In this chapter, when it's like, oh, shit, you're just some dude with a blaster. Yeah. Like, you don't have the force. You aren't a super trained assassin. You're like, I have military training, mm-hmm. but I'm just a guy. And even in a further note, he he brings it up himself in this chapter. Dude's got one eye. He's the, he's the eye patch one of those two dudes that were uh, Padme's bodyguards. So he's got no death perception. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> if I get into a fight with Aura Singh... She will murder me. And in my favorite bit of detail on that, he's like, I've only got the one eye. It's a, such an unfortunate twist of fate that I was the bo- the person born allergic to my own cloned body parts. Yes, I have a genetic problem with cloned body parts of my own things. Couldn't he just stop to been like, this dude's got an eye patch? Why? I don't know. Cool dude's got eye patches. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But all that brought up was like, all right, well, why don't you have bionic eye? Because you clearly want a new eye. Yeah. Because you know you can't. You know, we've seen robo eyes in Star Wars. That's a thing. That's an actual thing you could just go get. Yeah. No problem. You could be Cable. Why aren't you just trying to be like Cool Cable? Why ain't you Cool Cable? (laughs) Ladies love Cool Cable. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, so... He is like, okay, well, she's going to definitely... Oh, he also knows her entire fucking backstory. Oh, yeah. No, like I said, he's just like, I know Aura Singh. She's famous. I know everything about her she's for some reason. She's from Nar Shadda. She was raised as an orphan with a drug-addled mom. And I'm like, wait, did she put that information out there? How does he know that? Did she, like... Does she have a biography? It's very weird, because it's one thing to go, oh, I've heard of Aura Singh. She's a ridiculous bounty hunter that is a super murderer. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, fine. Sure, if she's one of, like, the top bounty hunters in the galaxy, I'm willing to buy that you know who that is. That's fine. That's good enough. But if you're like, ah, she grew up on Nar Shaddaa until she was taken in by the Jedi and then stolen by pirates. Who taught her to hate the Jedi. nine, of course. Yeah. And you're like, how do you, what the fuck? Why would she make any of this information public? This should all be shadowy clandestine shit. Yeah. This is like, this is like seeing Jango Fett and being like, ah, Jango Fett, notorious bounty hunter. I've heard he's a Taurus and enjoys lemongrass. <laughs> it's just so weird that he knows any of this or that anyone would. You'd think it'd be like, Aura Singh, what's her deal? Oh, she showed up as an adult pirate at some point mm-hmm. and was a murderer. The and instant it was she, great. Yeah. The instant she arrived on the scene, she immediately established her rep as a major badass you don't fuck with when she killed a bunch of Jedi and 
turned out to be really good with slug throwers, which is kind of an archaic weapon that no one else bothers with. Yeah. And, (laughs) I mean, the only thing I can think is, the Jedi who originally took her in was like, oh, you're in pirates now, huh? That's what you're doing? Well, I'm letting everybody know that you grew up as a sad, scared little girl, huh? How about that? How about that? It's me, Jedi Master Perez Hilton. (laughs) To the internet. World star. It's so weird. Hot item. Aura Singh was kidnapped by pirates. Now, this might make me, the Jedi who was responsible for her when she was seven, look bad, but I like to blame the victim. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but Typho, of course, is like, all right, well, I should try and just hide. You know, maybe I can use one of these data sticks as an actual distraction, like, I'll just grab this one over here, I'll throw it over there, it'll make a loud flash and a noise, and maybe she'll go check it out and I'll get the fuck out of here, because again, I have no chance against Aura Singh, the world's, and galaxy's, biggest badass. Yeah, yeah. So he picks up the data disc to throw it, and in a heartbeat, she is drawn, ignited a lightsaber, and rushed over and put the lightsaber up to his throat. And he's like, in, in his little internal monologue, he's like, damn, though, that Padme got some hanging naturals. <laughs> and, uh, no, he doesn't say that. He's, in, instead, he's like, uh, oh, he's yeah, like, oh, she I has forgot. the force. Yeah, she's <laughs> force sensitive. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, which implies like that she could have shown up at any moment. That It's not like the, in the force she determined his like plan to pick up and throw a stick. No, she just she's, determined someone is there. <laughs> yeah, that, it's just a coincidence that it happened right as he executed his plan. Yeah, but... At this point, he's like, oh, shit, you don't need to kill me. I'm just fucking around here looking for some information. And I thought for sure that this was going to end with him being like, hey, I'm trying to find a Jedi and possibly murder him. And Aura Singh goes, that's rad. I like your moxie. You can go. Yeah, or that they team up, maybe. That'd be kind of fun to have a good guy on the bad guy's team, but not realize that he's like kind of a bad guy because oh, yeah. of this obsession if she was like yo i'm also looking for a jedi and yeah. he'd be like cool i want to question him before you murder him is that all right i'll help you find him yeah i'm a trained all kinds of stuff apparently uh but or the other thing i was hoping was that he'd be like look i'm just also in this library i am looking for information i did not know you were going to be in here i want no trouble and i never saw you i mean and, that's what he does do yeah but what i was hoping was that she'd go Oh, okay. And just go. Ah! And just fucking go. <laughs> that, oh, I'm reasonable. Yeah, that That's been, what we've established about me. There's no reason for me to kill you, so I just won't. I mean, no one's paying me to murder you, guy. I'm sorry, Captain Typho. Captain as a, Guy. As a bounty hunter, I've ma- I've <laughs> I have uh, memorized the names of the great bodyguards of the galaxy. In case I have to deal with those reprobates. Those reprobates, and unfortunately, you're not one of them. So, Ooh, are you are you Captain Ooh. Panica? If you were Captain Panica, I would be super thrilled to meet you. And he's like, oh, fucking my uncle. God damn it. God no, damn it. My, my uncle f- Panica the disco. <laughs> <laughs> Just kill me now. Screw this. I'm walking into the ocean. No. Instead, he's like, hey, don't fucking murder me. And she's like, nah, I probably am. I'm gonna, though. You should probably tell me if you know anything about a Jedi named Jax Pavan, because then I'll let you live for like a couple more seconds. Mm-hmm. And his his response is basically like, huh, she's got a lightsaber. Well, it's a good thing I know how to use a lightsaber. Apparently, it, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin spent some time training this dude in lightsaber techniques. Not a lot. 
They mentioned it's like three hours tops. Oh, no, it was uh, Qui-Gon. And, uh, oh, it was Qui-Gon, okay, yeah. Because uh, Anakin didn't do shit with him. He doesn't even... That's right, he's never met Anakin. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird that he would know Qui-Gon, because Qui-Gon died during the panic of years, but yeah, I guess well, maybe I he was mean, hanging he was, out with his nephew. I mean, they were both in the military at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that could very well be. It was probably like, hey, uncle, <laughs> let me meet the cool Jedi. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, there's only these two. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm trained in lightsaber fighting skills by the mighty Qui-Gon. And then we flash back, and Qui-Gon hands him like a toy lightsaber the way that Pilots give little kids pairs of clip-on wings. <laughs> now you're a real pilot. That makes you a real Jedi. So you can... It's just like a fucking little tiny lightsaber, mm, like mm. a cereal spoon that glows. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. You'll spoon your arm off. Uh, but anyway. Apparently, he's a trained, proficient lightsaber fighter and an expert slicer and trained on the knowledge of the great bounty hunters of history. <laughs> yes. I'm Leonard D-Boy. <laughs> I'll show them how many boners Typho can make. So he squishes the data stick that was in his hand, creating a bright flash while he looks away, and it, you know, momentarily blinds Aura Singh such that he kicks her in the hand mm-hmm. enough that she drops the lightsaber, which he grabs and is like, and I know how to use a lightsaber, so I know where the thumb it on bit is it's the only part of the lightsaber that moves i'm always impressed when people are like i know how to turn on lightsabers and i'm like you press the button yeah you know it's not like i'm gonna never know how to turn on a flashlight you like you hand me one i'm not gonna be like what is this mysterious device i have only heard of these in stories and songs i'm just gonna find the part of it that clicks or moves and there you go hey look at that (laughs) what do you know i solved it i must be a a a jedi at heart Ugh. But yes, he flips the the lightsaber on, and then Aura sings like, "Ah, oh, sweet!" Yeah. Gets out another lightsaber and is like, "Ooh, I'm gonna get a good fight out of you, buddy." Yeah, I think she has the lightsaber from uh, I forget I forget the character Barris Offy or his Padawan who he, who she killed on Felucidar. No idea. But the re- the thing the reason I'm saying that is because she has a Sith lightsaber at first, which is just her regular ass lightsaber. Panica manages to I'm sorry Typho manages to get that one away from her. So she pulls a blue one and is like, all right, fine, let's duke this out. And that's definitely one that she took off a body. Yeah. And she's like, this is great. It's been a while since I've actually gotten into a lightsaber fight with anyone. Mm -hmm. So I hope you're at least somewhat decent with that because I'd like, you know, to have some fun. He's not. So she lunges at him and he like manages to block a couple of strikes. And he's like, shit, I'm going to lose this. She's a trained fighter and... I'm a trained soldier and everything, but not a lightsaber guy or a force user. Yeah. So this is this is going bad. There's a, a, a yet another mention in here of some fun techno babble where he's like, well, I am trained in swords. Obviously, I'm a qualified and, and expert technician in swordsman because obviously Star Wars needs a lot of sword guys. Um, but this is wrong because all the weight is in the hilt, except that there's weight elsewhere there's because of a gyroscopic there's a gyroscopic process that makes it feel like the lightsaber is heavy and that's why you need two hands i'd be like i feel like my first move would be to turn that shit off well it's the same thing when they're like oh if we turn down the whole gravity thing in a spaceship so you feel like you're turning real hard in space even though you probably should yeah or uh, when, whenever anyone in a, in a uh, movie or show or something buys one of those tactical stim suits for going into VR, and they keep on the option for feeling pain. Yes. And you're like, well, are you into that? Is that, your, is that, is that what gets you hard? Because I'd turn that off day one. I'd be like, no, <laughs> day I don't Day one like, options. No, thank you. I would not like pain. I did not pay $14.99 a month for pain. 
okay. I know. I understand that many people do. No judgment. I just, you know, I don't want to get kicked in the balls in the VR game and then have a shot of me outside where there's a red patch near my nuts. Yeah, glowing because of pain sensors going off on my ding wings. I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'll just put in the Konami code and not have that. But instead, no. So he decides that the one way that he's going to get out of this is by leaning into the fact that he looks like a total chumpo and be like, ooh, I'm going to do an attack, a very obvious shitty thrust, and she'll duck, but I'll just nick her like head antenna. Because she's got a little implant in her head that has a big-ass antenna coming out of it. I'm surprised she doesn't attach like an orange warning flag to that thing like someone's mobility scooter. I mean, the weird thing to me is that you would ever be like, ah, yes, someone is coming at my head. I should duck. I'm like, there's too much space above you for that to matter. Yeah. You've got like a full foot of antenna coming up out your head. Plus a big ass top knot. You don't want to lose that giant red hair thing that goes straight up in this in this chapter described as a magmatic volcano of ember red hair. Hell yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he just touches this this exposed antenna thing and it's like her off switch. At the moment he just nicks it a little bit, she just goes and falls down uh, unconscious on the ground and starts jolting around. Oh yeah. Which again begs the question, okay, how much of a touch does that thing need? Mm -hmm. Like if there's a strong breeze, are you getting zapped? No, does that, it have to be an electrical thing? Like because the lightsaber has energy, mm -hmm. that's what did it? That's what it is. You have to it, if you touch it with a powerful energy weapon, it'll cause you to fall unconscious. Everything else causes free cubs. <laughs> ah, free cubs. <laughs> Otherwise, why would she have that fucking thing installed? I mean, I'd be, if I was a bounty hunter who wanted to get in sword fights, I wouldn't be like, please install off switches all over me. Thank you. I mean, my, my shitty, weak alien body had enough of those. I understand the idea of like, ooh, this gives me extra sensory perception so I can tell where people are. Where do you have the force? Exactly. Ah, she's got too many things and it's coming home to roost. But anyway, he now has a little a long moral lesson in his own head where he's like, I should kill her. But Uncle Panica taught me never to kill people who are down. And I don't want my quest to avenge Amidala because I had a crush on Dat Booty uh, to to stop me from becoming or to make me into a monster myself. Ah, yes. Good old Panaka was yeah. like, don't do it. Show mercy. And I went, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. As opposed to. Well, she did just try and murder you a bunch. And, and you know that she is one of the galaxy's most wanted murderers. And she's exactly that type of crazy where the moment she comes to, she's just going to add you to her list of people to kill later. Yeah. She's not going to be like, well, I'm going to put, I'm going to chalk that one down as an L, <laughs> learn something and walk away alive. You know, this is a learning moment. Mm -hmm. She's going to be one of those people who's like, you're on the list. <laughs> Nobody retires from Aura Singh's shit list. <laughs> And he scoots along, and then uh, I I feel like, does she wake up at the end of the next chapter? No, she just wakes, wakes up, up in this chapter. here. She, yeah, okay, she wakes up and is like, damn it, I put that dude on my shit list, and uh, I but will first. kill I will kill him, but first, I gotta do my whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go find Jax Pavan, because as much as I want to kill this guy, I am afraid of uh, Vader either murdering me or putting me back in jail. Yeah. So, there you have it. Meanwhile, the next chapter, which we talked a lot about the short chapter, so. Yeah, but <laughs> he had some goings on. All right, long chapter. Uh, Jax and I-5 and Deja are hanging out in a bar uh, drinking, except 
Jax is a Jedi, and Jedi are not supposed to imbibe in the alcoholic of fluids. He never got a taste for it because of his whole Jedi training. So instead, he's drinking uh, a smoothie being described in the least charitable terms I've ever read. Oh, yeah. He's basically got a protein powder smoothie, and it has been broken down into its component parts. Yeah, it's a slushy, frozen ice concoction of exotic fruits mixed with various Moncal Amari... Uh, powdered herb e- extracts and so, you know it's, that are supposed to be healthy for yeah, you. Yeah, it's just a fucking strawberry banana smoothie with spirulina and bee pollen. Oh yeah, but he presu- just got a jamba juice, he's, but he's trying to say it's all weird. He got a jamba, and he's like, it, it, the, I'm assuming the author's like, those things are stupid milkshakes for idiot health babies. Because that's what we get here is him being like, this is a stupid milkshake for an idiot health baby. It smells bad, tastes worse, <laughs> and that's why he ordered it. <laughs> Well, anyway, DJ, on the other hand, is drinking a, a uh, alcoholic drink so alcoholic that it's too alcoholic. Because boy, oh boy, do we need to know about that. Yep, it's so alcoholic. How alcoholic is it? Why, a raging weak way was passed out for days after drinking only two of them. And oh, it's so alcoholic that you could smell it from miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. one of those, this is the hardest drink you can get. And my favorite part was when, because this is mostly, she's too drunk to really participate in this conversation. She's about ready to pass out. To the point where I-5 even points out, uh, by the way, we have a whole long thing about how I-5 has to stand so he doesn't look like an important droid. Yeah. Um, he's he's an actual protocol droid rather than someone that it matters. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, I'm just going to speak freely about how I don't think Dejah's a suspect. And, and uh, oh, because... We know that the uh, the Kamasi guy, Ves Follette, was stabbed through his, like, I, I don't know, some sci-fi word, his torn <laughs> abdominal scrimmage. Yeah, uh, the sci-fi version of probably the solar plexus or some shit. Yeah, it was literally called, like, the catal plexus or plexi. Yeah. But it's like a, a hump on, on his back, like, towards his neck, that all of the snouty furry species tend to have. So they mentioned that Kamasi have them, and so do Equani, which is one of the two horse species. Uh, of of Star Wars, it's not the one that the famous one, the where, that Hohash Equest is a member of. Ah, uh, the Equini are horses, but also the Horseshi of Planet yeah. Horseon. <laughs> yeah, there are two species of horse people. Uh, but those are the two described: the Kamasi and the Equani. Uh, if you stab any of them in this one in special magic hump, it instantly kills them. Like if you stabbed anyone else in the heart. Yeah, and Kamasi, you know, it's not like the Kamasi species is dumb, so. The evolution has provided them with a thick hump of cartilage, bone, and muscle that covers that that processed space so that it's hard to get in and stab them in it, which is why we're eliminating Deja as a suspect because she's not strong enough to stab through a Kamasi's important hump. And uh, because we also, I-5 learned from, you know, illegally tapping into the police's radio band that the weapon was not a vibro weapon, it wasn't any sort of energy weapon, it was a regular-ass knife. Yeah. So she's not strong enough to put a regular-ass dagger through a big thing of cartilage yeah, like so, that. So she didn't do it. It would have been easy for her to do it and then put these detectives up as patsies to keep the scent off her and so on, but she didn't do it. And Jax is like, are you sure you want to talk about this in front of her? And he's like, yes, I have calculated that her alcohol blood content is ridiculous. She is more alcoholic right now than Jepson's Malort, which is not an alcohol in Star Wars. It is a guy. 
Hi, I'm Jepson's A real Malort. alcoholic. <laughs> real, you, want, you guys want to buy some drunk sticks? <laughs> Get out of here, Jepson's. How <laughs> <laughs> dry I am. <laughs> Deja is so drunk that even her pheromone is 20 percent that's right ridiculous now. that's too i mean i guess they, they do have a, a moment where jacks muses that that uh he's heard that zeltran zeltrons have uh two livers yes but it was like, like oh, well you're gonna need them but like if her pheromones are 10 percent alcohol i'm like yeah you know there's a reason that the blood alcohol legal limit is like 0.8 it's because like at 1.7 you're dead <laughs> <laughs> You're pickled already. I guess maybe I, I would like to view it as as uh, Zeltrons can't get turbo drunk because all of it just sort of poofs out of their yeah, pores. Yeah, because they spoof it out as, as poof, drunk they nonsense. They get everyone else near them drunk. Which like, is I'm so drunk. Poof. That's a great way. An, another cool party trick for the sex species to have is just like I you can get people contact drunk. Yeah, you could just give them a bunch of shots and then they just go poof and get the whole room tore up. <laughs> That's why Jepson's Malord is hanging around. He's like, oh, shit, a Zeltron in a bar. It's like a freebie. <laughs> I can just sit back here and sniff it up. I'm just going to huff that Zeltron for different reasons than Huffing most people want to huff Zeltrons. <laughs> you know how it is. On the weekend, you go huffing the Zeltron. I mean, yes, but not because of the alcohol content. Uh, uh, but but So she's passing out, and Pavan and... and uh, I five have a long conversation about how she didn't do it, but who did do it? But it must have been someone dangerous. Uh, a lot of stuff where I five is is he's a, a very sarcastic, self confident dude. He's basically someone's HK forty seven pastiche. Yeah, he doesn't have the meat bag stuff, but instead he's just like, ugh, humans. He's the, the worst. He's the good guy version of that. Yes. <laughs> Humans are the worst. And also, he has weapons on him, so he's not like how C-3PO sometimes gets a little sassy. This dude's more like, he can back it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, while they're talking, and Jax is like, man, this fucking restraining collar thing that I have on, like, my... It's basically a restraining ring, because it's just on my finger, a little thing that if I try to take off, will neutralize my body's functions for a bit and then alert the police to come get me mm -hmm. and he's like it's a real shame that we can't do anything about that knife five's like yeah maybe you you piece of shit <laughs> here's the up. restraining bolt i already <laughs> took it off how'd you get that off you dude don't act like you don't know i have a million special subroutines for nonsense like this he says while putting it on a table and melting it with finger lasers it's like and what's going to happen? Oh, if they try and track me, they'll find a program that they keep getting close to, but never quite finding. Yeah, I call it the Ouroboros routine, but it would be better if it was called like the, what's his name? The guy, the paradox guy. Zen I always get his name wrong. What? You know, the guy. The Zenos? Zenos. Zenos. I, the yeah. problem is, I know it's Zenos paradox. Little Geno's paradox? Well, I think Zeno, and I'm like, ah, you know, like burn the, burn the alien. I always spell it with an X at the beginning. No, Zeno, Z-E-N-O. And he's like, I'll never catch up to that turtle. That's my that's my curse. That is my curse. Yeah. <laughs> Other people will, because they'll just be like, ha ha, that paradox is dumb. I'm faster than a turtle. Ha ha. <laughs> just like open your eyes, dude. That's a turtle. <laughs> just like walk over there, Just man. walk over past the turtle, dude. No, but you see, I go twice the speed of the turtle, and the turtle is already twice as far ahead of me, and I will never. If I go half the distance between me and the turtle, I will never reach it. Yeah, but bro, you you don't go half the distance between you and a turtle. You turtles, go the whole way. Turtles are real slow. <laughs> Just go over there. Just go past the turtle. <laughs> I would love if that was actually a named thing. The response to Zeno's paradox called just bro, it's just Zeno's bully. <laughs> Zeno's bully with his with his his corollary of bro, it's just a turtle, bro. 
Bro, go get it. <laughs> bro, just go get the turtle. He says bro a lot, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, so so anyway, yeah. Um, we actually, th- they have this whole conversation about oh, who did it and so on. And, and the cops are still going to be on, on to us. Now we're stuck on planet for a while. She's not going to want to leave because she's going to like try and solve this murder. This is really bad. Meanwhile, before all of this, because I forgot where this chapter started, we actually start with Loranth and Den visiting the Cephalon. Yes, the Cephalon, which, if you do not remember, is the weird sack of brains that all have individual senses and individual like personalities, but they're all in one organism, mm-hmm. and they can see fourth dimensionally. Yes. Uh, which means they can see a little bit into the future, but not like a lot. They they're... see time as we would see, you know, distance. But that said, while the past in the in the eyes of a uh, of a cephalon, which they don't have eyes, by the way, uh, is is immutable. The future is not, and so they can kind of predict what you might say next. But it's not like you can ask them for lottery numbers or something. Well, no, because in the same way that you know you can see where you're going. The future is also foggy and kind of has a twisty path, yeah. and it goes behind trees. Like you shit. can you can plan to walk down the road. You can't account for a truck to come shooting out of it at you or something like that. That's, exactly. That's how their fourth dimensional brains or multi brains work. And Dan just cannot deal with this. He, I don't, I don't think there's anything he hates as much as having to talk to this thing. Oh yeah, he is just so pissed off because they talk. Through a translator, because they just communicate instincts. Well, no, yeah, notably the cephalon is a very alien organism. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heap of parts. It's a vaguely oblate spheroid covered in tentacles and teeth and random bits and bobs in here and there. It has a big baleen mouth. Yeah, it's got a baleen mouth because it's an extremophile. It, it lives... Well, it, it ba- eats extremophile yeah. uh, things in its weird poisonous environment i have to assume it uh, the idea i got here is they they describe it as living in a hot methane environment and i was like oh and then they mentioned extremophile that means that michael reeves had recently watched some documentary about deep sea vents and he was like ah perfect we'll just say that they live near deep sea vents and they eat like all the crabs and squid and and tube worms and crap that pop up around those yeah no it's we get all the extremophile little particle bits that come through yeah we're the filter feeder the lump that lives near hydrothermal deep sea vents yeah um and they just have random i i I like the description that den has of everything on it just being totally at random he's just like there's random tentacles and arms there's no symmetry it's It's just just nonsense it's just nonsense and i'm like dude you don't know you haven't seen another one of these (laughs) if if, if you're not an expert fuck off what if they all look like that (laughs) then it would be exactly the design it's supposed to be Please tell me this dude never meets Wasley from uh, from New Hope because he will not know how to comprehend that that thing's face mess either. Huh? He'd be like, "It looks like a pizza of eyes. I feel like I'm looking at an angel." Huh. Okay. Are you an angel? <laughs> like a biblical one? Because goddamn, you're creepy. <laughs> Is that a mirror in your pocket? Because Jesus Christ, I want to get away from you. <laughs> Wait, those things don't line up. Yeah, I kind of see fourth dimensionally. Well, you know. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're basically trying to ask it, you know, is it a good time for two people who are on the run from the Empire to get off planet? And all, in Den's defense, the Cephalon is worthless. Well, the, the Cephalon, like I was saying originally, it tries to communicate instincts, so it has a little thing that turns what it is trying to communicate into words. But mm-hmm. because it is a fourth dimensional being with multiple different ways of talking with different personalities in one central brain that has an imagination, mm-hmm. it 
the program is doing its best. Yes. But when it uses certain ideas that are only conveyable through stink, the program's like, uh, man, I got nothing. It, you are, will be, were something. Well, yeah, it uses alt, the, the, uh, the, it's not just that it's a stink translation that's causing the problem. It's also that it's speaking fourth dimensionally to three dimensional beings. So the translation program doesn't really have a way to kind of do that. Yeah. You can't explain depth to something with only two dimensions, so it's going to also be hard to explain time sensitivity to something that has three dimensions of sensory awareness. So there, it's just very confusing. So it keeps saying stuff like, "Here's, I'll just read you a quote here. Sentience are, have been, shall be non-united. Uh, point pattern at now contingent modalities non-viable. As yet, point pattern in non-collapse state. Uh, probability matrices undefined. I slash he, we... I slash we apperceive discontinuity suggest causes slash passive slash observational mode, which is like if this thing is your information center for your underground railroad to get people to fuck off Coruscant, pick someone else. Like, ah. I get it. Maybe he's very good at his job. But... I mean, he sees the future and that's the only reason people go to him. Yeah, except that all he says, it's like saying, using Nostradamus as your guy, where he's like, well, I'll give you a weird quatrain about a river of fire. Well, okay, but if I was able to read that shit, it'd be useful, but obviously I cannot, and the only reason people perceive you as important is because they've only read, like, the 30 quatrains that kind of line up with stuff, as opposed to the several thousand others that do not. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> the thing in the book is, Dan immediately is like, God damn it, he's giving me that oracular shit where it's just, ah, you know, I'm giving you the weird, obtuse way of saying, I don't know, idea hazy ask again later yeah you notice so you, you, when you're listening to the thing i just said it ends with like end on observational slash hesitant slash cautious mode that's a pretty easy way to read like you know try again later right and even loranth is like yeah he doesn't know he's just telling us to ask later something must be going on that's fogging his, his vision something is weird i mean as far as i can tell there's going to be some sort of sentience falling out some mm -hmm. kind of fight. He's like, nah, don't do anything right now. One of now. his other sentences mentions is a force convergence that's impending. Yeah. So there's some stuff in there that might be kind of hints about the future or something. Dan ain't having it. Dan's like, the fuck is the point of you? What is, uh, what is this? The only reason we come to you is because you can see the future. And if all you're going to do is give us this magic eight ball shit, you can fuck right off. Yeah. And Loranth is trying to be diplomatic kind of because she doesn't want she's Loranth is a mean bitter person who does not want to have a con doesn't want to be the good guy in a conversation with a with a alien slug so at most she's like I don't know it sounds like he doesn't know anything we should go and he's like but no he's gonna tell us useful information god damn it that's the point of his role in whiplash he is a central information disconnection node and she's like dude if you ask him again he's just gonna say more of that you're just gonna get more gobbledygook out of him <laughs> yeah this is a waste of everybody's time. You can just fume on the... And I like the part where he's like, but we went the way the We came all this way. way. And she's like, it's three blocks. <laughs> it's the principle. I also appreciate that anyone is within three blocks of anyone else they need to be within three blocks of on Coruscant. Uh, well, it's a Coruscant city block, so, you know. <laughs> it's several thousand miles. <laughs> Dude, we went three blocks. Yeah, we're on the other side of the fucking planet. There's only five blocks. <laughs> <coughs> this me. planet has six streets come on <laughs> you got emperor boulevard palpatine way new vader street martin luther king jr boulevard <laughs> don't want to go down there <laughs> front street and for some reason 52nd <laughs> uh 
Uh, anyway, uh, they leave. And they leave. Irritated. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that. And then everyone gets to meet back up together so that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Deja's sleeping it off. Yeah, Deja got too drunk and is sleeping off specifically at the hangover that she's already had. So she's managed to wake up and then go back to sleep at this point. Uh, but so she's off sleeping it off and we get a conversation between everybody but her and Renan, Renan, who has not yeah. come back yet. Renan hasn't come back. Yeah. Uh, so it's just Den, I-5, Lorenth, Jax. Uh, th- those, those people are having a conversation. And it starts, of course, with... Den whining, he's just like, look, we went, yeah, we went to talk to the cephalon. That, that it's, God damn it. He gave us nothing. Nothing, just nothing. His, I mean, Laurent mentions, like, there was something about a force convergence that might, I don't know, mean You might want to know that. And Jax was like, yeah, sure, great. Mm-hmm. And then we get a whole thing, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I remember most of the conversation is just about how the cephalon is useless, and then everyone kind of repeating all the information that they already got. So it's Jack saying, here's the stuff. We've got these pointless things on our feet. There's a bit where they describe how, um, what's his name, uh, Poles Hall or whatever. Yeah, Pole House. Pole House. The, uh, the the dude who's who's investigating the murder is actually a well-trained and like well-regarded detective who's fairly high rank. So he's presumably on the case because he's got an ego about it. He's like, I want to solve this high-profile murder. But we also know that his uh, higher-ups are probably pressuring him to end this shit as quickly and quietly as possible because they're like, look, the emperor just fucking blew up this guy's planet. We do not need a high profile Kamasi murder case to go along with this, to keep shit like this in the news cycle. Just very quickly. Yeah. Find someone to pin it on or close the case. Just get it done. Whatever you do, shove this shit in a tube and call it a day. Yeah. And, and we, the impression is that uh, house uh, will not, yeah, well, the only reason, like, we get the impression that he will have to, but the only reason he's got any amount of time to do anything is because he's a high-ranking, well-respected guy to begin with. Yeah, and that he's got a, he's got an angle. He's working this because he thinks it'll get him a promotion or something, which is the only reason he's trying it all as opposed to being like, yeah, it must have been, I don't know, uh, that Zeltron probably did it. Just lock well, no, her up. because Pole House is an actual good... He's a good cop. He's, it, he's one of the good ones. Yeah. Well, they even, in, his, in many words, they say so. They're like, look, I know how awful... Uh, the sci-fi word they use for police here is always cools. Yeah, the cools. Yeah. And so he's like, look, I know all the cools on Coruscant are terrible. Pole House is actually like a good one. He's like, a decent. Uh, he's a Columbo. Yeah. We also get some uh, some real. <laughs> for some reason, our primary source of detective noir language is I-5. Yeah. Well. So we get a bunch of I-5 musing on the nature of humanity and the shit that forms up in this city and so on here. Yeah. Which I don't remember, but I just know I was remarking when I was reading. I was like, damn, this dude is poetic. Yeah. And then Dead remarks the exact same thing. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's all extra poetical, which leads to him just getting called out by I-5. Oh, yeah. Because I-5 like, oh, like, oh, good. Thanks. That coming from a species whose only contribution to culture is a paean to the military industrial complex. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> Shut up, Sullustin. You're doing it again, Dan. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm visibly angry right now. So, yeah, we get them giving each other the information until eventually Reinen comes in and is like, Hey, there's no lightsabers. There's no lightsabers. There's no crystals. Of course, this is an entire giant planet full of, like, several kilometer high buildings. There is always a possibility that someone has a fucking kyber crystal on their mantle somewhere, but I can't track that, so meh. (laughs) 
Yeah, the whole thing is he's like, look, all I did was try and dig through the black market sales of things. Look, so, I tried to dig through the ditches and yeah. burn through the witches. I checked for Aldebaran, Ilum, and at least one other type of crystal that wasn't crate pearls. So Eldebargian. Eldebargian. <laughs> that gives you the lightsaber of the night. <laughs> uh. But uh, yeah, he mentions a list of things he did not find. And uh, amusingly, Loranth is the one who calls him out. He's like, no, there's one lightsaber on the planet. Ugh. Vader has a lightsaber. And, and I'm like, just imagining Reinen going, deadpan, jerk-off motion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I should have mentioned that the most famous lightsaber on the planet, in the hands of a guy who you do not want to meet, has a lightsaber. Thank you. Uh, sorry. Thank you for sorry. that. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. You're right. My science is not, is not tight enough. <laughs> Oh, man, you showed me. <laughs> Got it in one. Victory for pedantry. I'll be in my room. <laughs> uh, but for, for some reason, Den's like, well, what if I took a crack at it? I'm a reporter. Yeah. Why, I'll put my nose to the grindstone and find you a lightsaber by three o'clock this afternoon. You know, I used to be one of them there gumshoes. I, I, I could find a, a clue and a wet rock in a rainstorm, but it tells you... And I get it. I It's funny because even in Den's mind, he's like, why the fuck am I volunteering for this? I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's he starts talking, and in his mind, he's like, oh, god damn it. Why am I? Oh, don't volunteer oh, for this. This is like me reminding the teacher that there's homework. <laughs> I've, I'm just out of body experience watching me go, I'll do this extra work. Yeah. And uh, no, no, pull it back. Ah, oh, crap. Why am I? No, stop. Don't volunteer. <laughs> But, I mean, I get why he's doing it, because he's sick of doing this whiplash crap, and he would far prefer to do what he's good at, which is seek out clues and yeah, shit. Yeah, track stuff down. Yeah, he wants to go Encyclopedia Brown around a bit, and that's, you know, I, I get that. He wants a win. After talking to that Cephalon thing, he probably wants to put one in the W column. <laughs> yeah. But in his own mind, he's like, why am I doing this? This is the dumbest shit. In the Maybe he knows he won't find a lightsaber. <laughs> uh, but Jax immediately is like, dude, that... Don't worry about it. We have so much more shit that we need your ability to track stuff down on. Like, you know, a murderer. <laughs> Please do not worry about a lightsaber too much right this instant. Yeah, look, calm down, buddy. I, I appreciate your gusto. I would love for you to find me a lightsaber. But I need you to go talk to the Cephalon. I need you to talk <laughs> to the Cephalon again and again and again. You and two got to become good buddies. And then when he goes off duty and they replace him with a different whiplash guy, you ignore that whiplash guy and go to the Cephalon's house. You need to work this Cephalon. <laughs> buddy, can you do that for me? Can you help me talk to the Cephalon? Or, do you, or please don't find me a lightsaber, a thing you would enjoy. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> I mean, it ultimately ends with like Den being like, I'm still going to find the fucking lightsaber. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Maybe but, I'll do it in my spare time, but I'm still going to do it. And then finally, uh, the last person we are missing, Deja, comes down and is like, hey, everybody, uh, I will let you know a new piece of information. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's some guy. Yeah, she yeah, meant, yeah. She's like, okay, you know. Uh, the two of us were mostly isolated. Uh, we had only been on planet for a couple of months. Uh, we hadn't really made friends. Everyone that we knew were just like business associates or art house dealers and shit like that. Like we didn't really have any social dealings except one guy who would buy a lot of the best uh, paintings or Light, light sculptures. sculptures he was our best client and we were we were uh more acquaintance and business friends with him than anything else but we were considering him friends and that is 
Baron Umber. Yes, Baron Umber. Mm -hmm. And Umberbite. Yes, Baron Umberbite (laughs) is uh, a guy that has a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, he's a Vendalian. He is super secretive, as all Vendalians are wont to be. Super secretive. It's a species I haven't heard of. Yeah. Uh, And... But they're also great art fanciers are the entire species. Ah, I love it when they do that. Thrawn would get a kick out of that. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, while mentioning this, is like, oh, shit, I don't know if anyone's told him yet. God, that's going to suck because, like, he was a great fan of the art and also one of the few people we might even be close to calling friends. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure the police probably went, hey, buddy, your dude's dead. I I find that amusing that I I guess maybe if they go through the sales records of his art, he'd be like, oh, this one guy bought a lot of his art. So I I would think instead of being like, let's go tell him because like you should go tell customers when an employer or a uh, a salesperson they like dies, which I feel like is not the job of the Coruscant police, but rather, oh, this one dude bought like 80% of his art once he arrived on planet. He's the primary suspect because by killing him, he increases the value of all that art. Yeah. That's where I would go. Yeah, well. Plus, he's a baron. Has there ever been a good one? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Baron, automatically evil. It's right in the name. Terrible. Yeah, if they were, because they're from a, they're from a, they're baron. They're from a place where no goodness or growth may spring. Now, if their name was Fecund Valley, if that was their title, then maybe. (laughs) I'm Fecund Harkonnen. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you're a cop and you're like, well, who are our list of suspects? Well, there's a baron. Get him. Just get the Baron. Get I don't the baron. I need to hear the rest of the list. Even if he didn't do it, he knows. <laughs> Which one? Mordo? Zemo? Oh, they're all bad guys, guys. <laughs> uh, so, yes. is like, hey, great. Maybe we can, I don't know, go find out something from this guy, from Baron Umber. Yeah. Go uh, have a chat with him about art. Yes. There was a thing I wanted to mention that we didn't get to earlier during the uh, the bar scene. Because we talked a little bit about all the jokes that were being made about the super strong alcohol, like how it knocked a weak way out and how there was a table of drunken Rodians nearby having a Rodian, no, Kubaz, yes. having a Kubaz party. But while all that was happening, Jax was studying Deja and being like, I don't think she's romantically involved with this Ves Follette character. I don't think that they were sexually together. It doesn't seem like she's that kind of sad. This is more like a friend sad. And uh, I think I could work my way in there exactly especially because i I mean i know i'm privy to the dust jacket of this book and he is not but it very clearly on the back of the book says that it's her lover her it says uh to find out who killed her artist lover ves volette yeah and i'm like no we know that i mean maybe he was an artist and a lover but just like her friend and we're just not using that word Ah. (laughs) but yeah i think it's just jack's trying to uh, he's been hanging around with day for a while which is like you know you got to keep your zeltron contact to a minimum (laughs) Because otherwise he's huffing that Zeltron. Uh, otherwise they'll slow cook. You, they'll get you with the slow cooker juices and you're in love with them before you know it. So so he's just like, I think maybe she wasn't into him. That means I don't have to wait the two week your lover died grace period. Ah, just the mm. one week your friend died period. Yeah, this means I'll be the shoulder to cry on at the funeral. And then I'll suggest maybe coffee to talk about things. Huh? How mm. are your feelings? <laughs> I see Deja at this bar. I have two minutes. How do I close? (laughs) Uh, But yes, they're like, we're going to go talk to Baron Umber, see what's going on. And of course, I-5 immediately knows 
where he lives, which is two very interesting things. One is that he lives in the Manorai Hills, which you may remember Manorai from way, way back. Ooh, season one reference. They spelled Caesar's it different. Restaurant. Yeah, in Caesar's Restaurant was spelled Menorai. Yes. So this is a different thing. Well, Menorai is a restaurant in the side of the Manorai Hills. Yes, it had a view of the Manorai Hills, which was one of the very few undeveloped parts of Coruscant left. And it was a big thing. That was part of what made the restaurant so expensive was that it had this perfect view of the Manorai Hills. Well, so because... That's how we know he is super wealthy. Mm-hmm. Is he's like, oh, he lives in the Manorai Hills, which, because it's not like giant, uh, super well developed like skyscrapers full of people. Mm-hmm. Like he has just a house that's there. No, I love this because this is a very noir thing to be like, oh yeah, we have to go talk to this Baron guy. Where does he live? It's like if this is a noir story, they'd be telling us like Malibu or something. He's he, in the Hollywood Hills. Hollywood Hills. He lives somewhere ultra expensive. We're gonna go visit him there. Yeah. And, of course, he is also at 17 Gallifrey Lane, which... I know. Doctor Who. It's a Doctor Who reference. Hey, I know. Doctor Who. Kind of a weird reference to work in, but I appreciated it. Weird that you would do that. Yeah. But, hey, uh, sure. It's not like there's... Uh, the, it's amusing to me just exactly the amount of Star Wars-isms that need to get worked into these things. Someone's got to say they have a bad feeling about something. You know, someone's got to got to uh, talk about the Force and its connections to everybody. Uh, there's so many little things. You need to put the Wilhelm scream in every one of the Star Wars movies. And books. The the, the feeling like you need to work in, like, uh, uh, Doctor Who references is like, eh, maybe not. Why why would you do that? And yeah, every book has, I don't know if you ever actually purchased and read one of these old Star Wars novels, but if you get the hardback, uh, each one of them has a voice chip installed that plays the Wilhelm scream when you open the page where a stormtrooper dies. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that that's one of the things you lose in purchasing the PDF or soft cover versions. Yeah, it's yeah. sad, mm-hmm. but you know. Also, all the batteries have died on them over the past fifteen years, so that's kind of it's another sad thing. But you know, there was a time there a was time a and time a place and a place where you could hear the Wilhelm scream. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay, so th- there you go. That's those are the chapters. Yeah, it's just I five is like yeah, I know where this dude lives because I'm also just constantly connected to the net yeah i I think it's funny to me that he was like uh how did you find out where he lives i5 and i5 has to be like i have you know taps the side of his head connections and it's like oh right i forgot you're you're a badass super hacker ultra droid right why do i keep asking you if you're cool (laughs) what i've lived with you for years how you know something yeah i should just go oh yeah because you're a super droid. You should just say thanks, I-5. It'd be much simpler. It's what he wants anyway. Recognition and appreciation. Yeah. To kill all humans. <laughs> ah, yes. The regular droid stuff. Ah, it says to kill four all humans. <laughs> Wait, hold on. How am I going to turn that into 40 all humans? <laughs> it's not going to help kill me. Kill four 44 humans? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, okay, so... So there you go. Those are the chapters. What a good time. What a great time we've had. We watched Aura Singh lose her second fight in a row. Oh, what a badass. Ah, uh, yes. Aura Singh started jailed because she lost a fight and then lost a fight and lost a fight. Mm-hmm. And at least the first fight she lost was to Vader. But man, the second one to someone who's like, I handled a lightsaber once for about an hour, mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. I've got this no death perception. <laughs> I have stupid reasons for being here anyway. Uh, uh, sigh. All right. Well, there you have it. So that's, as always, of course, you should come check out our Patreon to get the bonus content. 
because we're about to talk about Wikipedia. We're going to find some fun topics of interest from Star Wars history, bring them to each other's attention and to the attention of the assembled masses who will contribute at the level of $2. Yes, indeed. Two bucks unlocks that. It also unlocks all of our System Mastery bonus content. There's another level as well for five bucks if you want to just buy the whole package. We understand if you don't. You know, times are tough. Hey, pick and choose. Pick and choose. Find your level, get yourself comfortable, and support us. Or just leave us a nice rating or review somewhere because that helps other people find us, and maybe those people got some money. You know, that's how the system works. Yeah, the system works. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. It works for Capitalism everybody. Capitalism works. It's never had a problem. <laughs> that's what we're always saying on this show. We're also always saying that I'm Elan Sleesbogiano. And I love <laughs> saying goodnight to guys. I mean, huffing Zeltrons. Zeltrons.